Yeah, don't make me count to three. Um, so how am I going to transition? Garrett actually sent it to me last night. I was in the car with my parents on the way home from my sister's graduation, and I saw all that with y'all, but I didn't let you know. And so um, I was trying to keep it together, but he wanted me to see it because I'm like, how do I transition from that into this? But that's okay. So um, it's Mother's Day, and happy Mother's Day. Um, I am very sensitive to the fact of mothers and the fact that there's probably women by odds here that are not mothers yet and or you're not in that place yet or it's a desire of yours. And so I don't want you to close out that what I'm gonna share with you today is strictly for mamas. It's not. I believe it's gonna reach daddies and soon-to-be husbands and women and, and just everybody. So I just want you to... Um, you know, keep your mind open to that. But when I did think about Mother's Day, a mother's favorite thing, or really just a woman in general, the big trend right now is Pinterest. Who are our pinners out there? Do we have some people that like Pinterest? Okay. And so, um, and when I look at Pinterest and my stuff, it's, um, it's all about like creating the atmosphere in my home. Like I want it to look cool. I don't ever want it to be a mess. I want people, I want it to look like that organized, you know. So I spend all this time pinning these ideas um, of what like atmosphere should be like. In reality, those are our babies and we have peas all over the floor and we have um, craziness and piles of laundry. And so, but I started going that way and, and I started, um, reading in the Bible. And um, this was a, the story I'm going to share with you today is something that last year the Lord kind of pounded me with. And um, I was potentially going to speak last Mother's Day and, it, and we changed it and it was just a God thing. And, and it was something that God was dealing with me then. And unfortunately he kept it going for like a full year trend in my life. And um, I've had to live it out. I've had to um, experience it. And I um, have asked him several times over the last several weeks to please change it because I'm so convicted by what I'm going to share with you. And um, because I just wanted to come up and do like easy, happy, woohoo, y'all like enjoy a day, you know, without having to do laundry or whatever. But unfortunately, um, I just can't go that way. So anyways, we're going to do the story of the Shunammite woman. And if you'll open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 4, um, I am going to read. It's, a lot, it's about, I think, like 29 scriptures of this lady's life. We're gonna, I'm going to read a few scriptures, and I'm going to paraphrase a lot throughout the sermon and read more during out throughout. But um, we're going to start with verse 8. And it says, one day Elisha went to Shunem and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man, of God, this man who often comes to our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put, put in it a table and a bed and a chair and a lamp. Then he can stay there whenever he comes to us. So this story is in the Old Testament and they're talking about Elisha. And just so you know about like Elisha, Elisha followed Elijah. I'm simple enough to remember like J comes before S. So I follow it that way. Um, Elisha followed Elijah and he just, he was the representative of God. And he asked for a double portion of, of Elijah's anointing and, and he got it. And so he traveled um, from town to town. Um, in the Old Testament, we didn't have Jesus Christ yet. So Elisha and the prophets of God were like their messengers. It was how the voice of God got to places. And, and in my mind and how I envision how the prophets of God worked is they just traveled on God's behalf and they shared with people and then they went to people and they got 
request from people and took it back to the king and it was the day of the law. And so Elisha came through this lady's town and she found out and so she like invited him over. And um, the thing is, is that she was very content when I read this first thing. Like she's like, hey, why don't you come over? But it's really convicted me because of the atmosphere she created in this home. It goes much deeper than building a room for him. And so today I wanna talk to you guys about preparing your home and preparing it for life and loss and just preparing the atmosphere in your home no matter what stage of life you're in. Let's pray. God, I just thank you for this opportunity. I thank you um, just for today. I thank you for the people that are here. And God, um, I can't do this by myself. Um, I don't want to. So just speak through me. Tell me when to stop and what to say. In your name, amen. So um, I believe that this lady kind of connects with a lot of like common women. And when I say like common women, I'm not necessarily referring to myself, but you know, the women that we see on Facebook or Pinterest that we kind of like, oh, cool. You, you know, they look like they have it together. Um, she is, um, it says she was wealthy. She had money and she asked this, this guy to come in. And so she did a few things to cause him to stay permanently in her home. Um, as we continue reading, he, he makes repeated trips back and forth to her house and he, he comes in and, and he stays. And so she took steps in her journey to take from him just coming to town to make like a permanent resident in her home. And so when we think about him being the permanent resident in her home, I want you guys to think about that's kind of like God's spirit and the glory of God was on Elisha and she did what it took to make him permanently when he came to town, like visit her house. And so she did a few things that, that, that caused that. First, she invited him. We all know that it's sometimes not easy just to even make the first step, like to invite somebody over. And she said, no, I want him to come in and, and I'm gonna invite him. And, and so she asked him to come in and she took that initiative. And then she built a, re a relationship with him because it said he came continually and he came back and, and with her husband. And then it came to the point of, I think we're supposed to build this man a room in our house. Okay, well, that could sound crazy. I mean, that's like a huge step from, hey, you're coming to dinner to, hey, here's a guest room like for you. And so, but she took like that risk and, and she probably risked looking really silly. I mean, I can imagine saying to Drew like, he is, um, gets thrilled when I tell him we're gonna have a house project. And so I could just really see him being like, yes, okay, let's build this room, you know. But she took that risk and she did it so that every time Elisha was in this town, he came and he stayed there and he, he was in their home with a servant. He ate with them, he did life with them. But more than anything, the presence of God and the glory of God was with Elisha. So it was always in her home. And so really no matter what stage in life we're in, we have to have room in our home for the presence of God to stay day by day. And we have to have room in our house to be flexible and we have to have room to be flexible of the things of God and to have Him make permanent residence. Not a feel good like on Sunday, we sing your heaven is presence to me. And so we feel like we have the presence of God in us when we're here at church, but we have to set up ourselves that in our home, God's presence is just as prevalent and it is just as real as if the man of God was in your home, as if the Holy Spirit was sitting on your front porch or in your couch or you know, whatever. 
And so it really doesn't matter where you're at in the stage. It doesn't matter if you have a home and you have a husband. We know she has a husband or it doesn't matter if you're a mother or, or you're not. No matter what stage, when I talk about your home and setting up for your home, I just want you to think about even yourself as your home and, and yourself for the presence of God to be in it. And so we have to invite God into our hearts and into our lives and, and to dwell with us. And, and we can't just expect Him to just pass us by and be like, oh, well, that's a nice little family. So they look like they have it together. Let me go just fill my presence with them. No, we have to say, God, I need your presence like in my home. I can't do this. I don't wanna even try to do it by myself. And, and so we have to invite him in. And we need mothers that are just believing for the things of God and believing for it in their homes and in their families and in themselves. Second Corinthians 3.17 says, now the spirit of the Lord is, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And in our houses, we need freedom. It gets stressful when you have kids. It gets stressful even if you're just married without kids. And we have to say, I need the Spirit of the Lord in my heart and in my home so I can walk in that freedom. We have to invite the Spirit of the Lord in our lives as women. And, and this is a little more women specific at this point, but when we have the Spirit of God in our hearts and in our lives and in everything we do, it filters into our babies and it filters in to our husband's lives and it filters into the things that, that they do and, and around us. And so we see that she invited him, but then she did more because she wanted to gain permanent residence for him. So it went more than just a, hey, come over for dinner. It went into, I'm gonna have to take the time and the effort to do this. I'm gonna have to take the time and effort and resources to cause him to come and to be comfortable, but more than anything, to stay. And so as, as men and women of God and as just Christians, we have to take the time and the effort for God's presence to go into our home and for His presence to live in us and to dwell in us. Serving God wholeheartedly, it requires us to be very, very flexible. I can imagine that this woman was just on like a, a normal course and a, a normal daily life. And, and then all of a sudden this man comes to town and it caused her to rearrange the things of her life. And it, it caused her to, to, wait a minute, now I've gone from this to I need to build a room to everything else. And that's what God does in our lives sometimes is we're on a path and we think our little path is all worked out. And we think that, that we're on this, this straight, easy path that God's laid out for us. And then all of a sudden, like a roadblock comes in our way or a change or a, a, a turn in direction. And, and we have to be flexible of the things for God in our homes. And as women, it's not always easy to be flexible. Um, I am probably not the most flexible when it comes to, we're on a goal, we're on a mission, we're gonna stay this way. And, and I know a lot of even men are that way, but we have to be flexible and, and we have to be able to do it. And we have to take the time and effort for the things of God with us. I love the fact that she made no excuses. Um, we know in the Bible and in the trends of the Bible that men were dominant and that was in, how it was intended and that's how it was supposed to be but I read it that she didn't wait on her husband to get on board for her to make this permanent residence for God's glory to come into her home. And so with that, we have the ability to wipe away excuses and not have excuses. And I believe that often, and as a woman, and I see people and just even as Christians, that we often make excuses for our current condition as to why we can't take more time and effort for the things of God. 
And she did it. She didn't let anything sway her from her decision. And she did not let it change her. And she didn't, even though it wasn't convenient or whatever, she took the time to do it. And we have to do that. And we have to stop having excuses for the things that, of God and, and stop making excuses for why we're not following God in a certain way or why we're not walking so closely with Him and put all of our excuses away for that time and effort. That's part of the effort in it. And so we, um, we have the power to create life in our home. Um, you have the power in your house, no matter where you're at, to create life in your children and the life around you. And, and I see this um, all the time. Drew and I, um, you know, we do youth work here. We've been doing youth work for a long time. I feel like I've always kind of been in teenage ministry. I was like there from 12 to 18. And then I worked in youth ministry. Then I married Drew. I mean, so this is like a, a love affair with teenage ministry. And um, it keeps me young. And so, but I see that how in that, how the home life affects your kids, obviously. And it not even affects just the kids, but it affects husbands and wives and outside family members and different stuff. And, you know, we often get calls or, or we help teenagers at the moment of crisis in their life. We get the call like in the 11th hour, I don't know what I'm gonna do with my kid and they're going off the deep end and I can't save them and I don't know how I'm gonna help them. And, and I'm not making light of that because teenagers, I hadn't raised teenagers yet. Um, mine are gonna skip that entire age group. Um, I think I've done enough time with teenagers that we don't need to raise our own. So um, we, we're gonna do that, but we get these calls and it's like, you know, I need it right now. And, and as you start counseling with teens or you start asking backstories or family stories or this, that, and the other, it always, almost always goes back to there were holes or there were gaps in that home life and that home environment. There are gaps as far as... Um, their Christian walk with their parents, or there was gaps created because there was great fear in the home, or, or there were gaps created because it was kind of an in and out walk with God. And one day the parents are serving God and the next day they're not. Or, or one day the mom has it together and the family's staying together. And then the other day they've had a really bad day at work. And so everybody's had a bad day because mama's had a bad day. And we all know if mama's had a bad day, a lot of times everybody has a bad day. But we almost always can go back to the fact of what was missing in their home and in their environment? And obviously there's times that it's stuff you can't help and, and you know, that these students and different people can't help. But if you're at a place in your life that you can help it in your home, you need to do it. You need to stop making excuses. You need to not let anyone stop you. You need to invite God's presence in your life. And no matter how hard it is, you gotta take the time and the effort for your family to not let there be holes in the foundation of it and to not let there be gaps and, and not let there be gaps in, in places that you could help feel that and help seal that. You don't have to have a husband if you're a single mom to fill the gaps in your home. You don't have to have a wife if you're a single dad to fill those gaps. Whatever place God's put you and however he's trusted you at the stage of your life, whether you're single and about to be married or you've been married for years or you're widowed or whatever, we can't make excuses. And I'm convicted by this because I like to make excuses. Well, we get busy. 
Well, we pour life into other people all the time. Like, what else could I do? Or how much more could people want of us? Or, you know, when I get home, I'm spent and I'm tired after a long Wednesday or whatever. And I've been convicted by that because there is no excuse. God entrusted me to be mama to Maddie and Davis and wife to Drew. And so as that responsibility and what he trusted me to do, I have to honor that and I have to fulfill those holes and I have to, to be what God has allowed me to be and what he's given me the opportunity to do. We have to show our kids and our, that there is nothing more important than the relationship with God in your life. Nothing. School's not more important. Nothing is more important than that. Of course, academics are. Drew and I are degree teachers. And we, I don't want to, when I said that, I don't want you to think I don't believe in schooling, but nothing is as important as that relationship and that foundation with God. And so when we ask God for things and we ask him, you know, when I was young and single and I thought I was going to be like this single person my entire life because I was like 22 and not married yet, which is ridiculous. And um, I asked God, God, I just, I need a husband. Like, give me a husband. I I can't be this old single woman that no one's going to want to marry and I've got to have a husband and, you know, all this stuff. And so I asked God for a husband and God miraculously put Drew in my life and and it was crazy how we met and knew each other and, and stuff. But, but when he gives us these things and, and we start this marriage and then we say, okay, we're ready for babies and we start having babies and we ask God for babies and he gives us babies, like he's trusted me with that. So he automatically, he must think I can handle it. And so whatever stage you're in and whatever you have or whatever you're asking God for, be ready for what you're asking him for. Because when he gives it, you gotta be prepared to maintain it. But if, he's asked, if you've asked him, or even if you haven't asked him and he's given you something, he trusts you. You got this. You don't need somebody else to help you, single mom. You've got this. God's got you where he wants you. He's got the place and, and the situation at this season in your life where he wants you. And you just gotta make the time and effort for the presence of God to be in your home and to dwell in your house. And so... We can't rely on other people to do our jobs as moms or other people to do our jobs as as Christians or other people to teach our kids certain things or other people to create the atmosphere that we want created. I can't rely that Pinterest is just gonna like create because it's on my computer and I have all these wonderful, beautifully things pinned. Um, I can't trust that that's gonna just change this atmosphere in my home and like magically the perfect colors are gonna be on the wall and magically the spaghetti is gonna be off the floor and, and these things. I can't rely on anything else to change that atmosphere but myself. And so we can't rely on other people to raise our babies. We can't rely on other people to be that voice of God in their lives. Because if you're not gonna do it, chances are nobody else is going to. I, um, another youth story, not a story, but uh, a thing. I, I love trips. I love beach camp. I spend, um, I love like personal vacations too. Drew and I are huge vacationers, if you don't know. Um, It's just our favorite thing in the world. And so, but I love youth trips and retreats and camps and conferences and and, and this, that, and the other. Um, I have no idea even how many I've probably attended, but I grieve on the last day of them. 
my husband's prepared. I usually come in tears. I usually, um, and I get heavier, heavier, heavier hearted as the day gets closer to an end and as we're bringing students home. And you're like, why? You're gonna get to go home and get sleep. No, because we've been entrusted for a weekend with students and kids that don't have a fulfilling environment at home. So we're able to take these babies with us and we're able to put them in a group of leaders and we're able to pour into their lives and, and have just conversation with them and talk to them. And we're able to, to put them in like almost this bubble of God's glory and this like bubble of His atmosphere for a weekend or a week at camp or whatever. And then we get them back to the church and I know they're getting in the cars with families that don't even talk to them and families that don't pray for their babies and families that don't believe the best for what God's given them. And it's hard for me because you can't rely on your youth leaders or your children's church workers or your rangers leaders to raise your babies. If you're not doing it, you don't know how they're gonna go in the gaps. And I just wanna encourage you today do it. Do it. No excuses. Take the time and the effort. If you don't have kids, but you, God's given you a husband, take the time and effort to develop that atmosphere that you don't have to rely on anybody else to take care of it for you. You don't have to rely on the worship team to make you feel God's presence. You don't have to rely on Pastor John to bring, to bring word to your family, but you're, you're bringing the word in your home and you're, you're showing the kid, your kids the Bible and you're, you're just infiltrating their lives with His presence and the goodness of God. Don't rely on other people. She didn't. The Shunammite woman, it would have been easier for her to say, well, you can stay with me this week and next week you can go to... Jennifer's house, or next week you can go to Sally's house, but she didn't do that. She seized the opportunity and said, okay, you know what? God's gonna entrust me with this man to at least come to dinner. So I'm gonna seize it and I'm gonna hold him into my house for good. And that's what we have to do. And her story changes. I'm sorry. I'm way over um, allergy medicine. Um. I think you're supposed to take one a day and I stack them like all over the place. So my mouth's dry. Anyways, blame it on my ADD right there. Um, so we see this lady, her story totally changes. And if you're familiar with the story, it, um, it shifts big time. I love when our stories shift, do you? I love that when we think we're just doing right and we think, okay, well, we're serving God and we're doing the things of God and we're doing what we ask Him, but then sometimes it shifts. And sometimes it's good shift and sometimes it's, it's not great shift. And sometimes you know, okay, God, wow, you're doing this for me? And then other times you're like, really? Like, really, you think I need to walk through this? I don't think so. I don't wanna be your project right now, God. Um, but it shifts and I love in our lives when it, it shifts for the good. Um, we had a huge shifting when we got the phone call a year and a half ago from John about coming here. And it was a good shifting in our life. It was scary as heck. I mean, it was scary for me as a woman that's not real flexible, but it was a good shifting because I knew God was gonna do something good. But so her story totally changes. And, and in verses 11 through 17, I'm just gonna read it real quick. It says, one day when Elisha came, he went up to the room and he laid down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shumanite. So he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her, you've gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? 
Can we speak on behalf of the king or commander of the army? She replied. She replied, I have a home among my own people. In other words, she's like, I'm good. I really don't need anything. Like, I'm cool. And he says, well, what can be done for her? Elisha asked Gehazi, the servant. And he said, well, she has no son. Her husband is old. Now, when I read this, I'm thinking, what? He stays in her home and he's at her home all the time and she hasn't asked anything of him? Huh? People come to my house once. Like I um, clean up for you and I, we usually don't eat paper plates and um, we do good. But then everybody in, in our house, we have people in and out all the time and just love it. We thrive with people in our home. You know, on the second time, you're grabbing the broom after dinner. Um, you're gonna help me fix dinner. You know, I'm gonna ask you to, um, hey, can y'all just entertain yourself where we can get the kids to bed? You know, when, when you're comfortable with someone, you generally ask something of them or, or they know like some, something that's missing in your life or they know this. And this, this man had been in her home and he's laying on this bed and he's thinking, hmm, what can I do for her? Like, what? what? What does she need? She hasn't really made any requests known to me. What, what, does she, what does she want? And I love that because I know that God does that on my behalf. And I know that He sees me and, and I know that He ponders for my life and thinks, well, even if Kim hasn't asked for it, what can I do for her to bless her? What can I do for her to help her? And so, she comes to this doorway and she stood in the doorway and Elisha looked at her and he said, about this time next year, you're gonna have a son in your arms. And she looked at him and said, oh, no, 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 no. Don't play with me. Don't joke around with me. Don't, um, she objected. I mean, scripture says she straight up said, no. And I believe she said no, not because she didn't have a desire for a son by any means, because we know in the Bible, it was, it was very notable. I mean, women were supposed to have sons and to carry on the name and, and, and she didn't have that. And she objected to it and, and, and she said, no, my Lord. And she said, please, man of God, don't mislead me. But then the very next verse says, but the woman became pregnant and the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just like Elisha told her. Wow. So on the outside, it appeared she had everything together. But she had a relationship with this man. She had asked him nothing. It didn't matter of what she had done. It didn't matter the things she had prepared for him because she didn't manipulate him. She didn't say, okay, well, I'm gonna serve you and I'm gonna do this just so you'll give back to me. She kept her mouth shut with him and she, she just said, okay, um, I don't need anything, I'm good. I like dwell with my own people and, and that's cool, I, I'm good. And I just think about our own lives and I think about our lives with God and sometimes we feel that we have like this genie bottle that we can like, Rub it, throw some glitter. Okay, God, if I serve you this week or, or my family does devotionals this week or I give this in the offering this week, then give me, give me, give me, give me. What are you gonna give me? What are you gonna give me? And a lot of times we ask for that in return. She didn't do that. She wanted to honor the man of God with no strings attached, nothing. Just don't mess with my mind, but I'm good. 
And so with no strings attached and not even asking for it, she was blessed beyond her wildest imagination. And sometimes in our lives, I believe that we don't even know what to ask for because we doubt it so big. And I think that she had just given up on that and just thought that's so far removed from me and what am I gonna do? Or why would I, I need that? But, but he blessed her with something she had not even asked for. And so I read this and I think about this and I think about my life and I think, wow, God has blessings for me and my family that I don't even pray for. But she had the presence of God in her home. And I just believe like with all my heart in me that there's people in this room that you're at a place you may be done asking or you may have never asked and you're just on this path like, I'm good. Like I am good where I'm at. I'm good with my relationship with God. I don't need anything. He doesn't need to ask anything of me. He doesn't need to disappoint me, but I'm good. But I believe God is looking down on you and he sees you and he's like, just wait. Just wait. Because my ways are bigger than you can imagine. And he brought her to the doorway and you're gonna have a son. And, and I believe God does that to us. He brings us to this place of what? You knew that desire of my heart without me even opening my mouth? And I believe that God wants to do that for us. And I believe that if we have the presence of God in our homes and, and we have it in our lives, forget our homes, forget our families, if we have it in, in you, if I have it in me, then I don't even have to ask God for, for specifics. He's got it taken care of. He's got bigger dreams for my life than I can even pray for. But she had to have him in that permanent residence for her life. And so she had this, this son and it was incredible. And, and she had life in her home and I can't even imagine the how she celebrated it. And I know there's been times in, in my life and, in, and with Drew that we have come to crossroads in our um, walk with God and in direction. And we think, okay, God, we're on this path. And then all of a sudden there's a roadblock and wait a minute, you just thought that was good what you were doing? Oh, wait, I've got something a million times better for you. Not just better for you, financially or not just better for you location, but I've got so much better because I'm gonna expand you and God's gonna use you in ways you don't know. And God's gonna promote you to things you've never known. And you're gonna have this impact and you're gonna do the things that you desire because I know the desires of your heart. And I know that that's happened to people in this room and, and you've thought, what, where did that come from, God? Or maybe you're in the journey and, and, and you haven't seen that huge blessing. It's coming. It's coming. Mamas or wives that you hadn't had a baby yet, don't give up. I'm heavy for you on Mother's Day. One of my best friends, we are believing for her a baby. We've been believing for years for my friend. And I talked to her a few weeks ago and, and all these alternatives are closing doors on her. And I said to her, I said, I just have to tell you that when I study the Bible, when God gives women babies that they've had to wait a long time or there's no reason they've had them like Hannah and she had to wait so long, God uses those babies exceptionally. So this is kind of side, but if you're here today and that's a desire of yours, hang on to it. 
God's plan, if it's for you to have a baby, you're gonna have a baby. And if it's not right now, you need to trust the things of God. And you may say, Kim, that's easy for you to say. You have to, and yeah, it is easier. And yeah, I'm sensitive to that. But I just have to believe that my God is good. And he is faithful. And he is just, and he knows the desires of your heart. And, and he knows the plan for maybe that unborn child that one day you're gonna have. And, and just hold on to, don't give up. It took in this one moment, Elisha calling this woman that was probably busy doing the, the normal days of her life to say, come to this doorway, you're gonna have a son. And she didn't blink and a year later she had a baby. And I believe with all my heart that there are, you're gonna be miracles in your life if you invite the presence of God in your home with no excuses. Take the time and effort to do it, that you're gonna unlock blessings that you did not even know to pray for. And so I wish the story kind of ended here, but it doesn't. And once again, I ask God, God, just let me close there because that's good. Like that feels good. Like, cool, God, come into my home and make permanent residence and you're gonna bless me. But when we read in the story, it, it talks about one day the son was out in the fields and it's a short story and none of these people are given names and but it's a powerful story in my world. And the son is out in the fields and, and he, he starts screaming, my head, my head. And, and the daddy looks at the servant and says, go take him to his mom. Which that sounds pretty right and a lot of boo-boos. Or they get a brush off and a kiss and be like, you're good, you're tough. He says, take him to his mom. And so it says his mom picked him up and, and he, she, she was holding him and says like she was rocking him and the boy died. And I'm like, what, God? What? This woman didn't ask for it? She didn't even want a child? You bless her beyond her biggest dreams and he's dead? I don't know about you, but I've had things in my life die. Things that I thought were blessings die. And I wanted to skip this whole section because it's tough. Um, because we don't like death. And I don't mean just death of a child. I mean, we don't like a loss of a job. We don't like the loss of a marriage. We don't like um, the breakup of a relationship. We don't like any kind of loss in our lives. And sometimes we have great loss that comes to us and we don't know why. It's like on, in one scripture, she's holding a son. And in the next like two verses, he's dead. And I just have to believe that there are people here because like I said, I kept asking God, please don't even let me go there. And um, God found it great while Drew and I were on a cruise a few weeks ago to wake me up at crazy hours about this and to deal with me about this. And, and I just wrote down everything he shared with me and, and he opened my eyes to it and into a new way. And I thought, okay, well, God, somebody there needs to hear it. Because you could see that you had this huge blessing. God, you have blessed me and my family with this home or you've blessed me with this marriage or you've blessed me with this child. And now what? It's dead? And no matter where you're at in that, sink 
sequence of events, God knows where you're at. And I love what this woman does. She takes her boy. She doesn't say anything. It's said. I mean, like, there's nothing said. And she picks up this baby, or he's a boy, he's working in the field, so he's old enough to work. And she lays him on Elisha's bed. She didn't put him in his room. She didn't put him on the couch. She took this promise of God, this gift from God that was dead in her arms and laid it on his bed. And I believe, and I know in my life, there's been things that have died that I've been holding on to. And you see it and you're like, okay, God, it's dead. Like how long do I hold on to it? But sometimes we have to take those dead things and we have to lay them down because there's nothing else we can do with it at that point. And, and if you're, you're here today and, and maybe you've experienced that and, and maybe you've experienced the loss of a dream or the death of just a promise from God and, and you're like, what do I do? And she didn't know what to do. She, she, didn't, she knew what to do. We're gonna talk about that. But she kept her mouth shut and she just laid him on that bed. And the scripture says that then she goes to her husband. She doesn't panic. And I'm thinking, huh? I, I can't even imagine the panic. I mean, my kid gets a bumps their head and I'm in panic. Drew, are they going to be okay? Do I need to call poison control because they ate too many? Well, we had an earring ate a few weeks ago at our home or months ago. I mean, do we need to call poison control? What do we do? You know, I panic in situations. And I don't think that's uncommon. I don't think I'm like some freak because I panic in crisis with your child. She didn't panic. She walks up to her husband and she had a plan. She was calm and she had a plan. And she says, I need a servant and I need a donkey. I need to go to the man of God. And he's like, huh? It's not the Sabbath. It's not this. Why are you going today? And she goes, I, I just, I need to. I need to go find Elisha. It was totally off character what she was supposed to do. She, she was out of the loop of the things that she was supposed to do. And, and I believe sometimes in, in crisis, we panic and our panic causes us to go off course. And our panic causes us to flip out and to, to get sidetracked and, and different things and to go around everything else. But she had a plan and her plan was stay calm and get to Elisha that represented God's glory. And so I don't know what's happening in your life or, or what experience you may be going through, but stay calm. His plans are better than our plans. He knows the ending when we don't even know the beginning at times. And he's got this. And so if you take it and you're taking your dead dream or you're taking your dead, whatever's dead in your life and you're laying it down, you don't gotta run around telling everybody what's died in your life. Facebook doesn't have to know it to get all this going because I think about, so now she's on a journey, she got the donkey and she's on a journey to Elisha. If in panic, she would have stopped, called 10 friends, jumped online, freaked out to everyone in the room. Think of all that time that would have took, but she just had a plan to get to the man of God, 
No, I don't need to say anything. I don't need to do anything. Just get me to him. It's hard to keep our mouths shut when we're going through crisis or when something's dying in front of us. It's hard not to, to talk about it. And it's hard not to justify or change things or manipulate things or, or do whatever. But we have to keep our mouths shut. And that's hard. Hard. And it says she's on this donkey and she goes on this donkey and, and it says, she tells the, the servant, don't, don't stop for anything, just keep going. And she's on this donkey ride with her mouth shut. Women don't ride good for long times with their mouths shut. I've been in the car with my dad for about, what, 20 hours in the past three days going to my sister's graduation. I didn't shut up. And so my, my mom and my dad and grandma are here. It's awesome to have them here. And anyways, we... Um, she didn't say a word. She just got there. And she gets to Mount Carmel or gets to where they're going. And, and Elisha sees her and says, there's a Shunammite woman. Like they still don't give her a name, but there's that woman. He knows her. He knows her because she made a permanent place for him. And that's how God is with us. He knows us without even knowing all, he knows all the specifics. We may not think he knows our name, but he knows all the specifics. And Elisha said, Gehazi, the servant, like go get her, go see what she needs. And so Gehazi, get this. No, Gehazi's been in her home too, but it wasn't Elisha. Gehazi says, what is wrong? What are you doing here? It's not the Sabbath. It's not this, what's happening? And she looks at him and I love it. In one translation, she goes, everything's all right. In one translation, she goes, it is well, it's good. What? Her baby was dead at home. She had been on a donkey and it was still good because she knew that Gehazi couldn't help her. She knew that the only person that could help her that represented the glory of God and represented the presence of God was Elisha. So we have to, in our journey, we can't let people come in the way of us just getting to the only one that can help us in death. And often we do that. Often we think for like a quick fix or a, a quick turn of events or whatever, let's do the easy way. And okay, well, this dream has erupted in our lives, but this can be fixed. And, and so we do that. And if the musicians would come, and I wanna wrap this up. And we do that, but she didn't run her mouth, she didn't do anything. She got to Elisha. And when she got to Elisha, Elisha says, what's wrong, what's wrong? And she, she says, I'm paraphrasing it, she's like, my son, you, you promised me this son and you promised me this thing I didn't even ask for and what, it's dead now? But, but she fell to his floor and I can't imagine the grief she was in. And, but she stayed calm with him, but, but she was passionate about it because she knew, wait a minute, I, I've gotten to you because I'm gonna have to hear it from you if this is really dead. And that's what we have to do in our lives. If this is really a dead thing, then God, I need to hear it from you. I don't need to hear it from 10 opinions around me that it's dead. I need to hear it from you. And so he says to Gehazi, hey, you take my staff and go. And she says, oh no, 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 no. I need you to come. I'll wait on you. 
I'll wait as long as I need, as you need, but you, man of God, you representative of the glory of God, you're going with me to my home. What in your life do you just need to get to God's hand and say, I can't do it any way else? You have to come home with me. I can't use a second fix. I can't use a side fix. You have to come and you have to fix it. And I love this. She got to the home and, and they got in the room and he's in Elisha's room. And Elisha, the, the Gehazi has tried. He's put the staff on him and nothing happened. So Elisha goes in this room and shuts the door and the mama don't even go in there. The mama had to get out of the way. Now, if my dead baby was laying in there, I'm gonna wanna be in there. And my dead dream, I've gotten to this man and I want him to fix it. I wanna see how you're gonna fix it. I wanna know all the details of how this dead thing in my life is gonna come alive and he shut the door. And often we have to get away and we have to take our hands off and say, God, it's your will. And Elisha walked back and forth in the room and he stretched out over this dead body. And he put his hand to hand and eyes to eyes and mouth to mouth. And he breathed into this baby's life. And he sneezed seven times and got up. And I can just imagine dead dreams on a bed where God says, it's okay, get out of the way. I can do this, I've got this, but keep your mouth shut, stay calm, have a plan. And your plan was you invited my presence in your home months ago, years ago, without excuse, without, without manipulating me. You allowed me, God, to be in your home and to be that foundation and to be that presence that everything forms around. So I got this. I can breathe into this because of the foundation you formed into to where you are now. And so if you're here today, the preparation in your home, it doesn't just bring you blessing, but it helps you in crisis too. Crisis is gonna come. It's gonna come when you least expect it. And it has to be prepared. And if you would, just stand with me. I haven't really known how to end it. And um, this morning, I, um, I was just thinking and getting dressed. And I thought about Moses in Exodus 33, and I promise I'm finishing. God's telling him, you gotta go and you gotta move these people. And, and Moses says to him, I can't go without you. I can't take one step without your presence in my life. I'm not gonna try it. I'm not gonna pretend I can do it. And Moses says, I can't do it on my own. And we know he, he got that. And as mamas and as daddies and as Christians and as whatever, we can't do it on our own. Don't try. 
You have to have the presence of God in your life. If this is your, if, if you don't even know God, it's okay, all you gotta do is say, okay, God, I need you. You gotta teach me your ways. I'm inviting you in. If, if you've known Him for years and, and you're in one of these transitional times we've talked about, you still need His presence. And so they're gonna sing for us and, and I know it's late, but I, I, if you're here today and, and, and this is you, you need His presence resident in you that you don't waver when death comes. I'm gonna invite you down to the front and, and just worship as they, as they play. And then we're gonna dismiss, but just know that you can leave here with that to take into your homes and into your lives. Who is like the Lord in all the earth? Matchless love and beauty, endless worth. For nothing in this world can satisfy. Jesus, you're the cup that won't run dry. Your presence is heaven. Your presence is heaven to me. Treasure of my heart, treasure of my heart and of my soul. Weakness, you are merciful, Redeemer of my past and present wrong. You're the holder of my future days to come. Your presence is heaven to me. is heaven to me your presence is heaven Lord your presence is heaven to me yes Lord I know your presence is heaven to me, oh, to me, we're singing, oh, Jesus, oh, Jesus, your presence is heaven to me. I will away.
the moment that I see you face to face. For nothing in this world will satisfy. Jesus, you're the cup that won't dry. For nothing in this world can satisfy. Jesus, you're the cup that won't run dry. Oh, for nothing in this world can satisfy. Jesus, you're the cup that won't run dry. Lord, your presence is heaven to me. Is heaven to me your presence? Jesus, your presence is heaven to me. Lord, your presence is heaven. Me, oh, your presence. Oh, singing, oh, Jesus. in every step. I just pray that you all have a wonderful, wonderful Mother's Day today and, and that you just take whatever glimpse of today's service into your homes and, and into the lives of your families and your, your children. Lauren, would you pray for us today? Thanks. Father God, I just love you. I thank you so much for um, everyone that's here. I thank you for all the mothers, but most of all, just thank you for who you are. Um, just a father, a savior, a healer, just everything to us, God. And I just pray that you will just touch the lives of the people that were here today, that you just give them hope, God, just hope and a peace that passes all understanding to know that whatever they're believing for, whatever they're waiting for, to hold on to it, well, and not really just to hold on to that hope, but to give it to you, God, because you, you do everything and you make everything work. And I just love you, Father. I bless all the women and all the people that are here today, all the mothers, and we just give you all praise and glory. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Have a great day.
That has about pinched my ear. Oh, so easy. I feel like I'm 